93.3, your Play us sports out. station. Peter Frampton, show me the way. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Well, I don't know. Kind of a pause this week in all of the weirdness other than Donald Trump uh, immediately jumping on this tragedy on the plane crash. I'll just give him a quick brain damage award for jumping to the conclusion that this had to be terrorism, the Egyptian air flight. I always hate air crashes. Not only are they tragedies, but the media gets uh, really hung up on those factoids about the air crash. So who knows? All kinds of polls have come out, yada, yada. Uh, They don't matter much at this point. Just ask President Dukakis. <laughs> I think the polls in May showed that he was going to win by 20 points. Uh, it doesn't happen. More scrutiny of Donald Trump's plan to build the wall. And the uh, Donald Trump pinata sales in Mexico go through the roof. I bet. And I wonder who's going to. Come up with the pinata with the panties inside. <laughs> In honor of Donald Trump and his uh, sexism and whatnot. Uh, good news last week. Uh, Bernie, I mean, uh, Barack Obama uh, passed a, a executive order about overtime rules, which I don't think is uh, a bad thing. This is a loophole in uh, our labor laws that allow people to be called managers where they have to do all this extra work, don't get paid for it. Uh, This, in fact, will result in uh, some raises for some employees and probably will result in some jobs even being created where um, corporations have taken advantage of the labeling of the word manager. And by the way, managers are a kind of a key component of the American economy in terms of the decline of the middle class. 
Uh, so this ought to actually probably help income inequality to some degree. And I recently finished the Thomas Piketty book, and one of the most interesting observations he made in this really lengthy data-filled book showed how uh, labor and capital, the distribution of uh, benefits to uh, labor versus capital, which is an old Marxist concept, uh, is really affected by how management decides on compensation. And this, of course, is part of the long-term story in the United States about why the middle class is uh, eroding in certain parts of our country. Well, historically, too, it tells the tale of the rise and fall of the American worker. Uh, when this country enjoyed its greatest economic power, uh, the workers were receiving benefit plans, uh, salaries and payrolls that now we can only look back wistfully on. Uh, used to be able to support a family, buy a house, own a car, uh, with not much post-secondary education at all. Um, that world is gone. Those jobs are long gone. Yeah, and the idea that higher tariffs are going to bring those jobs back, I think, is... Uh, a mistaken notion. This has been promoted uh, primarily by Trump, but also to Ber by Bernie Sanders to some degree. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I noted that the latest uh, newsletter from Jim Hightower, who's no uh, shirking violet, shrinking violet, whatever <laughs> you want to call him. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's a very committed Bernie Sanders supporter. Uh, has a little newsletter. He showed that uh, um, jobs in America really didn't go down as a result of NAFTA, but they did go down after China joined the WTO. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. But uh, I recently read a pretty good article on trade that pointed out um, America actually has a manufacturing surplus with the top 20 countries on the globe, minus China. So the demise of the American manufacturing sector is a little over overstated. Uh, some, and I'll quote this article here from Miriam Sapiro. She writes, this is from the 16th of March, she writes, excluding oil, the United States actually has a trade surplus in manufactured goods. You read that right. With the 20 countries with which uh, we trade, although that does not include China. Overall, the United States enjoys an annual trade surplus in services driven by financial services and intellectual property licensing of more than $200 billion dollars. So the goods and services change over time. This is one of the things in, that was interesting about the Piketty book because the industrialized nation that actually has the most reliable long-term records on uh, the distribution of wealth vis-a-vis -vis labor and capital compensation is interestingly France. Hmm. France began to keep pretty good records after the French Revolution. <laughs> They have almost 200 years' worth. And 
What's interesting about the Piketty book is he really looks at Great Britain, France, and the United States, and to a lesser extent, Germany, uh, Canada, and Italy, uh, which are, of course, the the most industrialized countries on the planet, with the exception of Japan. And, of course, China is still in transition. It's still a country that has lots of internal problems. They get to be an economic powerhouse for other reasons. Precisely. And it's interesting to note, by the way, that in 1800, on the so-called dawn of industrialization, China was actually the country in the, on the globe that had the largest GNP, GDP. Hmm. Because back then, GDP was measured in terms of agricultural production. Uh, and, of course, China had the most people on the planet. <laughs> and uh, it was imperialism uh, that caused China's decline. Very interesting election, by the way, in Austria, just over the weekend. A narrow defeat for an extreme right-winger. Right. A, almost a kind of a Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump kind of election in Austria. But palpably showing that the immigration xenophobia that's being generated both in Western Europe and the United States for different reasons is uh, not going to go away. And it is a serious problem. So, uh, Well, as long as the ongoing Syrian refugee crisis is unanswered. That's the thing. It's going to continue to be a, a throbbing wound that, you know, Again, as we talked about years ago when uh, uh, the wise and uh, beneficent W declared victory and peace throughout the region, he was going to fix, you know, build nations. Uh, we've seen just the opposite. The rippling backlash now extends into Europe. Yeah, and it's interesting to note, by the way, that the Iraqi military uh, is on the outskirts of Fallujah. There's going yes. to be a counteroffensive very soon. I suspect that ISIS will suffer further defeats. And the U.S. Uh, has military advisors working with a group called Syrian Democratic Forces, training them in weapons. So, With Lindsey Graham undoubtedly manning a tank. Don't know if, he, don't know if he's got a hat on. Oliver North providing narration on the made-for-TV story. Or monitoring events from the Iraqi-Iranian border. Right. <laughs> as he allegedly did in the hostage rescue mission. Ill-fated rescue attempt. Ill-fated or sabotaged? Who knows? We may never know. Uh, we haven't seen the, uh, the emails or the documents on that controversy. Lots of clamoring for Hillary Clinton to turn over everything, but you never hear a word about the Libya bombing of Benghazi in April of 1986, uh, America's involvement in the Iran-Iraq war. And, of course, this situation in Fallujah is an example of uh, the, the Shiite-Sunni rift gone big. Uh, the Middle East is a mess because of the ongoing chaos that uh, sort of followed the uh, 
Iranian Revolution of 1979. The United States, of course, had installed the Shah of Iran back in 1953. In a coup. In a coup with the assistance of British Petroleum. And these are part of the reasons why the United States is uh, suffering all this blowback all over the world. Of course, uh, the leader of the Taliban, as <laughs> Barack Obama calls the Taliban, always calls it the Taliban. Um, Come, Mr. Taliban. Taliban. Tali me banana. Uh, by the way, in Vietnam... Uh, um, I have kind of mixed uh, ideas about whether or not we should be selling Vietnam arms. Yeah, uh, that does seem strange, doesn't it? Well, the, the you know the the arms embargo was imposed by Ronald Reagan, uh, I believe, in 1984, probably as part of his morning in America. Right. Well, actually, at the time. Vietnam was one of the only countries attempting to do anything about the murderous regime of Pol Pot. Yeah. So refusing them weapons at that time was, as usual for Reagan, the wrong thing to do. Yeah, and of course it isolated Vietnam, but this idea that Vietnam can somehow counteract China in the South Chinese Sea is South China Sea is uh, kind of fanciful. Well, Trump suggests that South Korea and Japan uh, should have their own nuclear weapons. Of course. And of course, it's always he'll sell them to them. Charming to note that he's going to meet Kim Il, Kim Jong Un personally. They can compare hairstyles and hand size and hand size <laughs> and uh, maybe missile Inventory. Is Dennis Rodman uh, facilitating this? Well, experience? he's been on the campaign trail with. He hasn't. Well, I, the Trumpster. He's a well-known supporter of both. <laughs> Dennis like Mike Rodman Tyson and, and Mike Tyson, yeah. Bobby Knight, uh, and uh, Sheldon Adelson <laughs> is the only so far the only. Well, he always backs the, winners. Yeah, that's for sure. And his Newt Gingrich track record is stellar. But uh, out of that's, and then it was Rubio this year, right? Before now, uh, <laughs> yeah, hand sizes to became an issue. Throw throw in with Trump, and of course that's one of the big stories in the Sunday New York Times was the uh, right wing donors' aversion to Trump. Uh, Adelson being one of the few who's decided to go ahead and commit. <sighs> A fun group of uh, fellows. Well, the thing that's interesting about this. Uh, sort of end of the Republican race, and of course the Democrats will continue on until June 7th, then it's pretty much over. Uh, just a brief commentary about Bernie Sanders's uh, problems with both geography and mathematics. Yes, he has won the last three primaries, although Hillary did win Kentucky. But I'd like to point out that uh, West Virginia, Indi Indiana, and... Uh, Oregon combined have about the same number of people as Pennsylvania. You'd throw in New York with almost 20 million people, and in the last 10 contests, which will throw out Guam, which Hillary won, <laughs> uh, Donald Trump uh, won the primary in Guar. <laughs> but uh, Hillary Clinton won New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Connecticut. Kentucky and Delaware, and 
really in the last 10 races, it's six to four Hillary Clinton. So this idea that Bernie has all this momentum is somewhat ludicrous. I'd also like to point out that the states that I just mentioned have 56 million people, and the states that Bernie has won have a little over 13 million. Uh, let's see, what's the math on that? Four to one. Uh, Hillary Clinton is winning this race fair and square. She's actually in a better position at the moment than Barack Obama was at this time back in uh, 2008, although uh, it was quite clear that Barack Obama was going to win California. So we'll see what happens in California and New Jersey. Which is when? Two weeks. 15 days we'll know the outcome of the the process, and then you can make an argument to the superdelegates, but I just don't quite understand why the superdelegates are going to support the loser of, well, let's put it gently, uh, 11 of the top 12 states in America. That, and I'm excluding New Jersey and California here because they've yet to vote. Right. So we'll see what happens. Um, if demographics uh, stay consistent, uh, Hillary Clinton will narrowly win New Jersey and probably win California by about six or seven points, but it won't be a blowout. Um, California has complicated politics. But it is a minority-majority state, majority-minority state, and Hillary Clinton has consistently done very well in those kinds of states. Um, I think, you know, last week, I don't know if you heard the end of the show, but got it right on the nose. Said Bernie would win Oregon and Hillary mm. would nudge Bernie in Kentucky, and she did. And this is in spite of her uh, coal comments that she made a couple of weeks ago um and personally i think she's right about the coal problem donald trump promises to bring jobs back to the coal industry i don't know how he's going to do this where is this coal going to be sold it'll be given to children in lump form yeah it might be a that's part of their nutritious school lunch yeah Ketchup is a vegetable. Coal is protein. Maybe Trump can employ coal in the building of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to need a lot of concrete down there. Maybe they can come up with a flammable composite so you can have the Burning Man contest <laughs> at the wall. That'll do wonders for the atmosphere in Tourism the Tourism will, will prosper. It'll be great. And roast marshmallows. I got into a debate with a uh, Trump supporter in a, in a saloon about three weeks ago. And when I asked him about Trump's plan to round up 11 to 12 million people, he delighted in the notion of going down to Mexico and the border and shooting Mexicans. Because I asked him, well, are you going to join Donald Trump's SS? Of course, he didn't know what I was talking about. But uh, Germany uh, created the SS uh, for pretty obviously heinous and demonic reasons. They went into large chunks of Eastern Europe, uh, the area where many of the, quote, illegal 
Hispanics live is significantly bigger than the area that Germany went into. Took them about 4 million troops. Uh, Of course, they killed tens of millions of people besides just the Jews. But that was part of the deportation concept of of the German Reich. Ethnic cleansing. They wanted to go into villages and deport Jews out of their villages and into either slave labor camps or eventually, after 1942, gas chambers. And yet Donald Trump is being portrayed in the media as some sort of respectable candidate who is making amends for his previous hoof-in-mouth disease problem. Oh, yes, he has an interview on Fox News with Megyn Kelly. She's great, by the way. I think she's great. She does a good job. One of those insultees. And they make nice on national TV, so to speak. Very few tough questions are asked. And Donald Trump assures Americans that he loves everybody. He particularly loves Mexicans as he chomps on a taco bowl. This guy is a nutbag. (laughs) But he's... uh, Got the endorsement of the NRA. He wrapped that up over the weekend. <clears throat> well, oh, we forgot Chris Christie, of course, is uh, on the bandwagon, too. Yes. And, of course, he even joked around with Chris Christie about the Oreos. And they said, oh, well, Donald Trump doesn't insult just women. He insults Chris Christie to his face. This, of course, was the night where Trump... Uh, told the American people that the plane crash, that it wasn't even 24 hours into the event, was terrorism. It got blown out of the sky, and anybody that thinks differently is 100% wrong. Well, how long do you think Donald Trump is going to be able to uh, not release his tax forms? Well, that's a problem. It's unheard of. It's a big problem because it's... Sort of an expectation. Uh, otherwise, the uh, inclination is to believe, well, there's something he's hiding, which could be simply that he's just not worth nearly as much as he purports to be. Well, that and also it will show how uh, he takes advantage of the loopholes. I mean, we were pointing out last week that apparently he's got a couple of goats on one of his property to declare this an agricultural piece of land. Um, He's sort of like Woody Allen in Love and Death. He carries that land on his... Piece of land? On his his shoulder at all times. I don't know whether the goats are on tour with Donald Trump, but they ought to be. They're part of his... Well, that's where his farmer in the Dell image hairpiece comes from. uh, That tuft of uh, hair that hangs over the goat's ass—that's the mohair. That's the mount. Well, hopefully he can start yodeling and pick up the Swiss vote somewhere in Vermont. Um, Yeah, it's you know with Trump, it's pretty. Pretty strange. Well, and uh, again, this article over the weekend, uh, Sunday's Times, about uh, the 
lack of enthusiasm amongst the uh, right-wing multimillionaire donor community, of course, who have more of a share in deciding elections than the average voter, um, their general you know, disregard for Trump as a serious candidate is probably going to prevent him from reaching the billion-dollar sort of uh, watermark that is the expected, you know, you got to blow a, a billion dollars. Oh, at least. To, to run for president. And if he's not able to do that. I think uh, the la I, I think in the last cycle, two billion was spent. I mean, uh, the, by, by Obama alone. Correct. So it was almost a two billion versus two billion kind of contest. Exactly. And if Trump can't raise that kind of money, well, that raises interesting questions for where his support will come from. And it's interesting to note, too, that the Koch brothers will uh, schedule a conference of their allies in Colorado in late July where uh, their 2016 spending will be determined. Uh, so while the convention is happening in August, the, the Koch brothers will have already decided where the money is to be spent. Yeah, well, it, it's... Probably it's actually technically probably in July, but uh, the uh, the interesting development in the last couple of weeks, by the way, on the political front in terms of the race, so to speak, is that Gary Johnson is now polling about 11 percent in national polls. Uh, he is running on the libertarian ticket. The libertarians routinely get about one percent of the national popular vote. They do a little better in certain states. And William Weld, the former governor of Massachusetts, a kind of moderate Republican who uh, did not have charitable things to say about Donald Trump. In fact, he even used the word Kristallnacht uh, in describing uh, the problems with some of Trump's main agenda. Uh, is tentatively scheduled to run with Gary Johnson. The Libertarians, by the way, because they have been a political party for uh, numerous years now, most famously Ron Paul, mm -hmm. uh, ran for president a number of times as a Libertarian. Then he realized, well, if I want to serve in Congress, I'm going to have to run as a Republican, which he did. Uh, his son, Rand, of course, is the senator from Kentucky recently dropped out of the presidential race to save his seat in Kentucky. Um, they'll be on the ballot in 50 states, and they could play a role in the election, given on the dissatisfaction. Uh, I could see a portion of the uh, Bernie Sanders supporters voting libertarian. Yes. In, in other words, the, what's interesting about a libertarian candidate is they appeal to both liberals, quote-unquote classic liberals, as well as so-called economic uh, radicals on the tax issue. Right. Their so, main appeal— Some of Trump supporters, too. Some of Trump supporters, and they're particularly—they've they, historically done a little better in Western states uh, that may damage Trump more than Clinton, but uh, the Green Party uh, is also maybe going to play a role. We don't know. Their candidate, Jill Stein, I believe, is running again. They're not on the ballot in as many states, but they did play a role in the 2010 Illinois senatorial race uh, that was won by Mark Kirk, who is running for re-election, the Republican in that state. 
and he's in trouble mainly because of the continuing obstruction of putting a ninth justice on the Supreme Court. Uh, that issue has remained, I think, dormant for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, there's not been much about it at all. But I think that in the fall it will probably become a big issue uh, as Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have very, very different concepts about who should be on the Supreme Court. And that's obviously going to be a, a driving factor for that election. You know, who do you want to choose the next Supreme or to nominate the next Supreme Court justice if Congress indeed refuses to do its job for the duration of uh, the remainder of Obama's tenure? Yeah, and I think that that is, a, uh, is, is one of the areas where I think Bernie Sanders has been a little deficient in his so-called revolution. I have not seen uh, him campaigning aggressively about the congressional uh, incompetence and inaction on a number of these issues. Uh, that should be part of the, quote, revolution. In fact, what's troubling about the primary system to date, and of course a lot of states have not had local primary elections, but the only two incumbents that have actually been defeated have been the prosecuting attorneys in Chicago and Cleveland. That's it. Hmm. Uh, none of the bums are getting thrown out. They're all still there. <laughs> and uh, barring a tsunami of some sort, which uh, still could happen, um, because I think Trump is definitely a loose cannon, to say the least, his best bet, to be quite frank with you, is to probably just take three weeks off. Yeah. Quit talking. The more he talks, the more he looks like Mr. Ed. One thing he would never say is, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Indeed. Thanks to Andrew for engineering once again this evening. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next on this fine station. The Atomic Alphabet by Chris Burden. W for war, C for combat, B for bomb, N for nuclear, F for fallout, M for mutant. Hey, hey, hey! WCBN FM and on. Have a nice day. You're tuned to Yaza City Calling. This is your host, Saladin. Join us now for your weekly excursion into the roots of the blues, where every song is a lesson in American history. On a special edition of Yaza City Calling, we will be focusing exclusively on the blues greats of the 1920s and 30s. Those blues greats all being women. Enjoy.